And it's 8 o'clock in the morning in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com and the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us live via telephone, in addition to him being a friend for the last 30 years. He's an amazing doctor, very well-known pediatrician, uh, someone who's well-respected in our community and beyond, and uh, an author of a book on medicine as well. And he is with us live via telephone, and I thank him for taking the time to join us this morning. Dr. Stuart Ditchick, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you so much. Also forgot your uh, uh, founder of uh, Kids of Courage, which I should mention as well. Uh, Dr. Dietrich, let's get right into it. Uh, there is, uh, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, there is no excuse for any one individual or any organization or, um, or uh, um, a group uh, to not follow the recommendations of, um, of our government, which essentially is at this point you know, calling for very, very limited social interaction, uh, plenty of hand-washing and, uh, and uh, hygiene when it comes to uh, the possibility of spreading this coronavirus. And uh, I think you would agree that whatever recommendation and whatever, um, uh, uh, whatever, the, uh, whatever guidelines they have recommended must be followed at this time. Absolutely. And I think as a Jewish community, uh, we have to follow it even more stringently. Uh, as you know, uh, in addition to the government uh, regulations, the Jewish community or certain Jewish communities have been head of, ahead of the curve on this, uh, anticipating what the response would be from the government, the appropriate response, and trying to uh, get ahead of it because we have much uh, larger uh, populations within our own communities. We have great population density where we live, uh, and quite frankly, we have to do a better job than other communities because we're more coordinated. Uh, we speak to each other, we coordinate with each other, we have national uh, integration of our recommendations uh, across Jewish communities across the United States and certainly across the world at, at some times. Um is all, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, I'm just trying to understand, because obviously I know very little about medicine, is all of this uh, um, uh, because of what you've seen in other countries, meaning you're expecting that the way coronavirus has behaved in China, Italy, etc., it's the way it's going to behave here in the United States? Okay, so let's, you know, it's a great question, and let me just emphasize, we have two choices in, well, it's not two, but we have a number of choices to make in the next uh, two weeks in the United States. Uh, do we want to be uh, Italy, or do we want to be uh, China? Uh, uh, do we want to be uh, Italy or China, or do we want to be South Korea or Singapore? Those are the choices. And what that means is that countries that took proper immediate measures of social distancing uh, and specific uh, public health measures early in the crisis are the countries that are faring best, and I'll include in that South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong. Those are the countries that took this pandemic very seriously from day one, implemented social distancing and other measures which we can talk about, uh, and the countries that waited and delayed implementation of these measures were the countries like, unfortunately, Italy and China. Italy is the country that we can most closely try not to mimic at this point. Italy is at a breaking point in terms of this pandemic. Uh, they are 
rapidly running out of ventilators and ICU beds. They've already reached that point. Uh, they are having to make decisions in Italy on uh, um, which lives are to be saved because they don't have enough ventilators. Uh, and quite frankly, the response in Italy uh, was not the sophisticated response that's taking place here in the United States, both on the federal and local levels and community levels. So we are trying to be South Korea, Hong Kong, and Singapore right now, not Italy or China, where, or Iran for that matter, where obviously there's very little public health uh, sophistication and they're seeing deaths in the highest numbers. Where does Israel rank in all this? Israel, I believe, is doing very well. I think Israel took early measures. Uh, in fact, we learned a lot from the Israeli recommendations so far. I think it's important to people, uh, for people to keep in mind that Israel and the United States are very different countries, not only in terms of population size, but population density, uh, public health systems, etc. So not every recommendation that the Israelis do would we do, and vice versa. Uh, but the Israelis did the smart thing. They closed their borders down fairly early. Uh, they implemented, or they're trying to implement, social distancing. The Israelis are doing something today no other country has been able to do. They're using technology, uh, smart uh, uh, cell phones, to track positive coronavirus uh, victims or cases and seeing if they break quarantine, something that in the United States would be completely uh, undoable because of the civil rights laws. Right. So Israel's taking great measures, and from what I understand, they're doing very well. They also have a good number of ICU beds per capita in Israel. Uh, so I think the Israelis, uh, God willing, are going to do very well, as I think we will do very well if we follow the rules. Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us live via telephone. Okay, on the assumption, and you just said that you think we're going to do very well, on the assumption that the segments of our community that have closed the synagogues, that have canceled the wedding celebrations, I'm not talking about the wedding ceremonies, you get my point, uh, about the one that took place on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn last night with 1,200 people, I assume. Right? I you're hope, not talking about that one. I hope you're not being serious about no, that. No, I am serious. There was a wedding at Shari Zion Synagogue last night with 11, 1,200 people. Uh, livid. I can't. Livid is not the word that can describe my emotions about that this morning. Um, there have been community members in touch with the rabbis from Shari Zion last night to shut down that ridiculous. Uh, approach. There's another wedding scheduled for this coming Tuesday night, which I'm told the family is trying to uh, put off. But the, you know, there's been some difficulties dealing with, uh, you know, the the uh, logistics of that with the caterer, et cetera. They're figuring out. The rabbis must shut down those large weddings. That, in my view, would be absolutely. Um, the most obscene thing, if I see what repeated last night in Brooklyn, uh, I think I'm going to move to Singapore. Now, one second. It, it, that being the case, and I hate to, you know, I, God forbid, I'll tiftach peh, but, but let me ask you from your expertise, are we, God forbid, in the segments of the community that have not taken these regulations seriously, the regulations that I just outlined a moment ago, are, are we, God forbid, going to see a lot of cases, a lot of positives? We're in in. In single instances where rules are broken, we will see secondary cases. There is no question that's been proven not only locally but nationally and internationally. Uh, anytime you break the rules to that extent and you allow large gatherings, uh, by the way, England did the same thing yesterday. They, they allowed a rock concert in England with, uh, I'm told, 20,000 attendees, one of the most ridiculous 
uh, ventures I've ever seen during a pandemic. Um, anytime you break the rules in large numbers like that, you will see secondary cases. And unfortunately, with this flu, uh, with this uh, COVID-19 infection, you will see deaths uh, in those who can't tolerate the infection. So people should understand community-wise, and we're talking about community level now, uh, we cannot break the rules. The rules of social distancing must be upheld now. We are two weeks away from where Italy was the two weeks prior. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not asking you for a rabbinic decision. After all, you're not a rabbi, and I'm sure you're the first to admit that. Uh, but, but based on what you know regarding medicine, you would never recommend for a synagogue to be open at this time. In my view, and again, this is, as you said, this is this, a decision for Rabbanim, not for me. I can only give my medical advice. I will tell you we had a very, very good uh, phone call last night with many of the prominent Brooklyn Rabbanim. Um, uh, uh, Kenny, uh, Rabbi Kenneth Alman headed up with Rabbi Toker and uh, uh, many of the other, Rabbi David Cohn. There were many Rabbanim on the call. Um, they were presented data from myself from Ruben Kofsky, a very prominent infectious disease doctor in Brooklyn, and from Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad, who is extremely knowledgeable and prominent and, uh, individual in his own right and a wonderful infectious disease doctor. He's been leading up the efforts in the five towns in Far Rockaway. Um, and we all three presented the data to the Rabbanim with the recommendation, at least I, you know, my personal recommendation was to close down shuls. Uh, many of the doctors agreed. Um, the Rabbanim were left with the decision. I was told this morning, I only received the text this morning, I checked in with one of the rabbis, that there was no consensus agreed upon closing shuls. I believe it was left to the individual rabbis to decide what they'll do with their individual shuls, but they did reach consensus on no large gatherings, such as weddings, varts, bris mila, things like that. In my view, uh, I would be extremely disappointed if I see a single shul open in my community today. Uh, and it, it, ha it is very painful for me to say that because it's part of our uh, DNA to be in shul every day. Right. Uh, but right now we have to break our nature in order to save lives. And, and uh, in, in my medical opinion, every shul in the United States should be closed today, in um, my medical opinion. And the entire country? Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, when it comes to funerals, you would also agree the same thing, that uh, the smallest crowd possible, e even even if only a minion is there, correct? The, the recommendation from the five towns, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glott told us last night, is that their funerals are being done graveside only with a minion, uh, I believe with a minion. Uh, I spoke to Rabbi Baum yesterday in Teaneck in Bergen County, who's taken the lead on the, on the policies cooperating with the medical community in Teaneck. In Northern Jersey, they are also only allowing uh, immediate family for uh, uh, things like uh, um, uh, funerals. Uh, there should be absolutely no gatherings for funerals. There should be no gatherings for anything at this point other than uh, very critical situations. By the way, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. So, so it's going to change. It's going to take a huge change in our mindset. And I want people to understand: we're not talking about. This is not a lifetime. We're not talking about telling people you will never be back in shul, you will never be back at funerals, you will never be back at bris milas. We're not telling them that. What we're telling people is if we want this event to occur, to occur over three to four weeks like it did in Italy, many lives will be lost. 
if we want this event to occur like it's occurring in South Korea or Singapore, this event will occur over about a nine or ten week period. What we're trying to do is slow the rate of infection so that people can be saved in the hospitals for those most seriously sick. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about closing institutions for the rest of eternity. We're talking about a period of slowing down now the infection. And in order to do that, draconian measures have to be taken. And in the firm community, that means no large gatherings, period. My daughter was, uh, was invited to a VART Sunday night. I did not let her go. I encouraged her to let everybody know that nobody should be going to that VART. Uh, unfortunately, in the Brooklyn community, there were shuls that had Kedeshim on Shabbos, I am told, uh, despite the recommendations, those shuls that did not close. So I want everybody to hear this clearly. You should consult your Rav. Every Rav should answer for his own shul. If you're asking me as a medical expert uh, on this pandemic issue, as somebody who's privy to the data that I've been uh, asked to look at over the last few weeks uh, and to function in the community as a liaison, uh, I am telling you that the data is very clear. Synagogues, churches, shuls should be closed down now for a period that we need to define. We don't know if it's going to be a, f a few weeks or, or slightly longer. We do not know the duration of social distancing right now. If we're lucky, we can push through this thing in six to nine weeks. If we're not lucky, it's going to hit us in two to three weeks. And I assume that uh, you, you would recommend schools close as well. Oh, my Lord, uh, you know my position on that. I recommended school closures early last week. Uh, it took a huge battle to make that happen. Uh, there were battles within our community. There were battles at the level of the city and state government. Uh, I think, uh, quite frankly, Mayor de Blasio and the governor were a little late to the dance, only closing schools as of today. I think the schools should have been closed days ago. Many of the yeshivas did close last week. Uh, we will save lives by closing schools at this point. And let me explain to everybody why that is. Children, Baruch Hashem, do not die of coronavirus for the most part. Uh, the fatality rate in children uh, worldwide under the age of 9 or 10, there's been no fatalities reported to my knowledge. That is great news as parents. But as grandparents, the bad news is those same children who carry coronavirus, who incubate coronavirus, who may not be sick with anything other than a sniffle, can transmit that to their 75, 80-year-old grandparent. And that grandparent has a 14% mortality in some cases if they're 80 years and older. So that's why schools needed to be closed, because children... Uh, in contact with each other in close proximity for eight hours a day will pick up infections from other children. That's the nature of children. They pick up infections from other kids. They don't wash their hands. They don't wear masks, certainly. Uh, and they get a higher rate of infections in school. We know that from an epidemiology standpoint. So the schools were the first place to shut down. The shuls are important as well because, again, we're in shul three times a day on Shabbos. We're in shul in much larger numbers uh, over uh, Shabbos because many women attend and younger kids as well. Shuls are also a place where we cannot practice social distancing because it is impossible to enforce that everybody will stand eight or ten feet apart in a shul. It right. could happen in instances, yes, but overall we will break those rules. And every time we break the rule, things will happen. Uh, I'm dealing with a case now of a, the, the first case I had in my practice last week of a positive 
uh, coronavirus case uh, in a family that's uh, sick right now with it. Thank God they're doing very well. They're young. Uh, however, uh, they were on an airplane. Uh, uh, many of them were on an airplane on the way back from the Midwest uh, last uh, week, and a very large number of people were now cross-infected on that airplane. Uh, this is serious stuff. When you're sick, you can get other people sick, uh, and we need to be cognizant of that. We have to take care of each other right Bot- now. Bottom line, if you value your life, and we are instructed by our tradition to do so, then follow the rules. Simple as that. Let me, let me just add one caveat to that. If you value the life of your senior citizen family member, if you value the life of your relative who has an underlying medical condition, you need to take care of each other. Young people, thank God, are not dying of this infection for the most part. I want to repeat that the fatality rates are primarily, the high numbers are once you breach 60 years of age. 60 is a 3.5%, 60 to 70 fatality rate, 70 to 80 is about an 8% fatality rate, and unfortunately 80 and older is about a 14 to 15% fatality rate. Those are huge numbers. I hope everybody heard those numbers. Yeah. So we don't want to harm people who can't afford to get this infection. Uh, on the other hand, I, uh, you know, my wife instructed me this morning. <laughs> she said, you better give a positive message, and I am. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that rabbis and community leaders are getting together now and talking and consulting doctors. And the uh, most positive message, we could beat this thing you're telling us. We can beat it. The, 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 we will never be able to stop this infection we will be able to slow this infection rate. And we can do it as a country. I think we're getting very good leadership overall. I do have criticisms across the board for all of our you know, political uh, entities in certain times. I think overall uh, we're, we're seeing very good leadership right now, especially at the federal level. I'm very impressed with Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci. I think he's been a great leader for us uh, advising the president. Um, but the but is that we have to slow this thing down nationally. The Rabbanim asked me last night, one of the Chashva Rabbanim asked me a question, why does why do we have to be more aggressive in implementing measures than the non-Jewish citizens of New York City? That was the, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the question. And the, in other words, saying, why do we have to implement before the public schools? Why do we have to do social distancing more than other people do? There's a couple of answers. One of them is that we have more dense uh, contact with each other. We're with each other more frequently. The other is that we have grandparents who live with us within the community. But mostly, we have to be a light a shining light to other members of the non-Jewish world. I want them to see that Jews are acting correctly and appropriately. And if you want to see examples of it, look at Bergen County, the the Vod of Bergen County, how they cooperated with the hospitals and closed things down early. Look at the efforts of Rabbi Dr. Glott in the five towns and the Vod of the five towns and all the community leaders there that are gradually trying to shut down every shul and school over there to save lives. So, and Brooklyn, we're making great efforts as well. We have a much bigger population in those areas, and I've been battling this battle for weeks now, uh, but we're finally making headway, and I think we're going to reach the point where I am a little concerned is where elements of certain communities in Williamsburg and Borough Park are going to function, and Lakewood as well. I think we need to get a wake-up call in those communities right now. Dr. Dietrich, I thank you very much. Thanks for your leadership, and thanks for spending all this time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Nahum. Dr. Stuart Dietrich, there you go. He's got a lot to say regarding the uh, 
coronavirus in our community, and I thank him for um, summing it all up for us this morning.